Hey, this is Angus Crookshank, and you're listening to the Future Sickos Podcast. But you can hear our disease. Call the doctor, call an ambulance, but it's not for me. Where the sickos were despicable, and that's why we scream. Yes, ah, 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 ah. Yes, it's a space, it's but you can hear our disease. Call the doctor, call an ambulance, but it's not for me. Where the sickos were despicable, and that's why we scream. Yes, ah, 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 ah. Yes. Hey, this is Brennan from the Future Sickos Podcast. I enjoy watching hockey, but I also enjoy winning money watching hockey. If you would like to have the chance of winning thousands of dollars every week, sign up for DraftKings account using promo code THPN. What is up, Ottawa Sanders fans? Welcome to episode 11 of the Future Sickos podcast. For episode 11, we've brought in a pretty special guest. We have former Ottawa Senator as well as current development coach, Jesse Winchester. So how are you doing today, Jesse? Great, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, we're, we're doing well. We're, we're extremely excited to, to have you on. Um, so this this past weekend, I couldn't help but notice the amount of attention and praise that hot, like player development coaches were, were receiving uh, or like just the role of player development um, from TV analysts and everything throughout organizations. And it, it's pretty clear that after the draft, it, it I, I mean, getting drafted is a massive accomplishment, but the work doesn't kind of end there. there. There's a lot that goes into it to really become full-time NHLers. And it was kind of cool to see uh, some of the TV analysts kind of give credit where, where credit's due for that. So I don't know if you caught that at all, but but we were pretty happy to see it. I did, actually. Uh, they gave some love to Sean Donovan, who's uh, my partner in crime here at the Sens. And, um, you know, they told the truth. He does a great job, so um he's kind of my mentor in this and then you know has helped me kind of find my way here and you know he does a great job with all of our guys no it's amazing i know he um he's definitely seems to be extremely uh well, well respected in in the uh in the industry and like his name definitely does get thrown around a lot but i mean you're you're in good company and and uh maybe maybe next year you can get the shout out as well so we'll, we'll try, to, try to strive for that yeah. <laughs> so uh, one thing that I, I was just kind of curious, like typically around this time of year, you'd probably be doing um, development camp. Like this would typically be kind of when it was kicking off. And I'm just I'm just wondering how uh, the lack of development camp, like what kind of gaps might exist without having that around and, and kind of like how you've been able to bridge that those gaps or like what, what kind of has been implemented uh, with a lack of development camp um, well last year and then this year as well. Well, you know, it has been a challenge, obviously, um, not really getting out on the road to see our youngest prospects. Um, and, you know, dev camp is something that we always look forward to getting the guys together. But um, I think this year, one of the things that really worked out as far as the American League uh, went was having all the young guys that were drafted in 2020 uh, or the, the whole lot of them, the big lot of them come in and play for Troy and Belleville, have them in Ottawa so that, that Don and I can, you know, um watch from afar but also be involved in the day-to-day with them so i think we managed it that way this year hopefully getting back a little bit more to normal where we can travel out and see the guys who are still in major junior in college but um you know i think we've made the most of it um the american league team was really competitive by year's end um you see the young guys making contributions in ottawa um and it's an exciting time to follow our prospects definitely so was this past year kind of an interesting one, like with the taxi squads and obviously just being able to carry more guys? Like I know that there was quite a few young guys or like prospects that were with the team that might not have been playing every single night. So was that kind of like a, a an interesting or cool experience, like working in development? Like I feel like it was almost an opportunity in a way. Yeah, you know what? Um, so Don and I are more involved in the day-to-day with both clubs, which was really um great for us to not only be around the guys but also learn from dj and troy and their staffs uh, you know it's uh you learn a ton by being around you know the pro game day to day so um you know we just try to help out in any way we can our jobs or our roles were almost uh fluid so ever changing had to be a little adaptable but um you know i think all in all uh things went really well and both teams ended on, on a high note and, you know, our prospects just keep on coming. So we're, uh, we're excited to see um, the progression throughout this summer and into next year and a couple of years down the road. So, um, you know, our focus now is on them. Um, 
and uh, we look forward to it. Jesse, uh, first off, welcome to the show. Uh, as a fellow small town boy, and perhaps for any draft hopefuls that were overlooked at this year's draft, I'm wondering if you can elaborate on your rise to the NHL um, and some of the adversity that you had to overcome along the way, if there was uh, any sort of one influential person that perhaps inspired you to take on the role with player development. Uh, well, firstly, um, you know, in, in making it to the NHL, I was lucky because I've never really um, touted as as a potential NHLer, so I just had to work at you know being good where I was um, and lucky enough to play college hockey. Things started to kind of uh, happen for me there, where my game kind of molded into one that uh, the pro pro teams kind of wanted. I got bigger, stronger, and just you know kept learning the game, kept practicing, and turned into a career in the NHL. And you know. As that kind of went on, the career comes to an end. I was kind of unsure of what um, the next couple of years would look like. I had an opportunity to coach tier two uh, in the Ottawa area. Um, Donna was working uh, already with uh, with the Sens, and as changes happened within the organization, he kind of approached me and uh, engaged my interest in joining him. He was uh, one of my favorite teammates of all time um, when we played, and a mentor to me when we played. So. Uh, to join him seemed like a no-brainer. You know, I think it's gone pretty well to date. Um, we have a great relationship, and uh, always look up to him. So, um, you know, he's helped. He's helped us um, in regards to helping our players, and you know, we, we we both love our jobs. Awesome stuff. When I'm curious, like, when did it happen for you? When you realized that making the NHL was a real possibility? Uh, well, the goal was always there. I think. And it, when I got to school, I was like, oh, man, I just got to play hockey four more years than my buddies who just finished junior and don't get to anymore. And then when I got to school, it was about, you know, how am I going to find a way to get to keep playing hockey? And then, you know, we had access to the rink at all hours of the day. Um, just worked at it. I loved working. Um, still do. So, um, you know, just tried to add to my game. And then probably my second year, first time an NHL scout kind of talked to me. And then by my third year, they were pretty much uh, lining up to tell me I'll have a chance to play pro. And I didn't know what that meant, whether it was minors or NHL. And then by the fourth year, the Sens um, stepped up, brought me in, and uh, the rest is history. So uh, a little bit of an untraditional way to get there, I guess. But, um, you know, it worked out. And I'm fortunate and have a ton of amazing memories, obviously. We got there nonetheless, which is an ex- yeah. incredible accomplishment. Um, and, and and I think it's really cool that now you're kind of in this role and you get to work with guys like maybe like Angus Crookshank and, and guys who were like even later picks that have a lot that um, they, they just continue to work and, and they just keep going. And it, it must be really refreshing to kind of be able to see that process all over again and, and uh, to be able to help them with it. Yeah, you know, it's a huge jump to pro hockey from any level of amateur the pro game is just this big animal that keeps, you know, evolving, keeps going, keeps trucking no matter what. So um, getting them to understand that and trying to help them along in their uh, day-to-day, you know, it's, it's a great job for me because I love I love working alongside them, just, you know, seeing them grow and then hopefully, uh, you know, have, having long-established careers in the NHL. It's amazing. So what, one thing I did want to get into, you've kind of already touched touched on it. And I realized that in the role that you're in, you wear a lot of hats. But um, I'm, I'm curious if you could kind of take the listeners through like um, what, what exactly the player development role looks like and w- whether like like how that changes during the offseason versus during the season. And like I realize that it's probably very rare that two days are exactly the same. But um, even if it's like kind of like a, a broad uh, statement that you would just like even throw down as a, a summary on your resume or something like what, what, what you what you could tell us. Uh, I mean, we I mean we could talk at length about it. I think first and foremost, it's just about helping um, young guys who want to play in the NHL find their role and find their place in pro hockey so they can you know establish themselves and have long careers and help us win. So I think starting there. Um, you know, we can branch off in anything you want, whether it's skill development, um, you know, nutrition, off-ice stuff. For me, the best part is um, just seeing the evolution of the guy and, um, in order to, you know, um, 
be able to handle the pressures that exist in, in you know the NHL. So there's some guys who are going to come in and you know get there in a hurry. Um, they're just otherworldly good, like the uh, Stutzels behind you in your jersey. You know these guys, um, their skill set is far beyond anything I could ever imagine. But it's just about getting them comfortable so they can perform consistently, earn DJ's trust, and then the guys on the the who are a little bit more of a long shot to make it, you know, but who nevertheless will have important roles in the NHL. It's about, um, you know, helping them walk the line of the guy who's never quite sure if he's going to be there every day. And that's, that's one that, you know, Donald can provide a ton of insight on as well as myself, having been there and just been able to, um, you know, hang in there day in, day out when, when you're unsure of how long you're going to end up staying. So, um, you know, that, that's part of the job that I really love. It, it, it's, it's more than just, you know, skating well or working on your hands. It's about handling pressure and um, just being present. And, you know, we've seen that with guys um, in my first journey with Josh Norris and, and um, Formy who just were present every day in Belleville, love their experience. And, you know, they just kept getting better and better and better to the point where, you know, Norris is a standout or had a standout first year. And, Hopefully the, they can continue on and help uh, help build something special here. All right, and and along those same lines and, and the same theme with the draft uh, having just wrapped up and the buzz still kind of lingering, I'm wondering if you could give us a bit of an inside scoop or maybe even your opinion of Sen's tenth overall selection, Tyler Boucher. Uh, can you provide maybe a brief uh, scouting report and maybe identify? which areas of development that he'll need to focus on most to, uh, to get to the next level. Absolutely. So I wasn't involved in the drafting process, nor the real scouting process, but I've seen a few videos of them. Um, and Trent's um, staff does an incredible job of finding guys who fit our style. Obviously Tyler's big boy. He comes as advertised as a physical uh, specimen goals can score, can make plays. Um, the interesting part, that I have in, in his breakdown is that he's going to have to pay attention to the off ice in order to, um, you know, be able to play a long time because of how hard he plays. So that, that's a great quality to have. I think he fits the mold somewhat of a Brady, you know, just competitive, um, likes to get in the mix. And I think that bodes well for our lineup, um, especially with the style that DJ and his staff like to play. So, um, you know, He's going to fit in well. He's going to score. He's going to be big. He has toughness, competitiveness, and ultimately that's what's going to help us win. So um, we'll be headed down to see him uh, this weekend and uh, really excited to finally meet him and then uh, begin our relationship and get him here as quickly as possible, hopefully. And can you confirm for our listeners that he's actually 18 years old? Because the dude looks like <laughs> he's already 30. Yeah, he's a man. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, He's gonna, like I said, he's just going to fit in well. I heard him on the phone with DJ, and um, he's excited. And obviously, uh, he's ready to rock. So hopefully he comes in and when, when the time is right and challenges from day one to take someone's job and ultimately help us get closer to winning. I, I have a, a couple uh, follow-up questions for that. So the first one is um, also with the this uh, the, the Ben Roger kid, so the second round selection. Um, I understand that he has a close relationship with um, someone within the the Belleville organization. I know that he like worked with them, and also the fact that this kid just put on thirty five pounds within one year. Like I, I don't know what he could have possibly been eating to to grow that much, but it's quite impressive. But um, I'm wondering if you if you also um, have a bit of a background on him. Because because um, he was a guy that I, I think um, at least any of the internet fans might be trying to scour to get a bit of highlights on. It might be a bit hard because he didn't play last year. So um, I'm wondering if you have a bit of an overview and maybe some insight just because he um, obviously has some ties to the organization. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of insight there. Again, um, it's Trent and his staff who, who do all that work. But I do know that he is big, strong, he moves well, he's mobile. Um, and he's going to have a chance to, you know, just – play and increase our, our, uh, the size and competitive competitiveness on the line. So, um, I think he's more of a, of a few years away, obviously, but we'll definitely have a chance to play. And, um, the guys were excited to, to have gotten him, um, within the sense organization. Um, another, another follow-up on that. So I'm curious, so it, it's really, 
apparent, I think, for a lot of people, the kind of team and the kind of model that the Sens are, are really kind of leaning towards. And it's this extremely competitive build. Like they want guys that are going out there every single night and who, who just want to get better. And I mean, like, hopefully as well, like want, want to do uh, what it takes off of the ice to, to make sure that they get better. So I'm curious, like in your role, what, what that, um, what that means, what that looks like, is that kind of like a breath of fresh air to just be surrounded by a bunch of, um, well, even young guys that are coming in and ju just want to continue to improve their game. Yeah. You know, we are in a great spot. And again, I, I just have to keep throwing props to Trent and his staff for um, identifying guys who, you know, are competitors. I think if you look at DJ and you look at Troy, our two coaches, um, they've done a great job of building like a competitive culture where, and, and they, they, where guys actually enjoy loving or love working. Um, you know, I think having watched us play, obviously there's up and downs in the season, but uh, for the most part, both teams play real hard night to night. And I think that's going to give you a chance down the street, like in the long run anyway. And, um, you know, it's just about building that. So the more guys we have who can who can work and be consistent, the more the greater the chance to win. Obviously, uh, mixing in with the skill um, and having those guys who work and have skill uh, is going to help us. So um, you know, we just have to keep um, furthering that mission and that agenda. And you know, I think in time we're gonna we're we're gonna turn some heads and be a really good team. Amazing. And then I, I do have my, my actual question here, which kind of ties into it. But um, so, so last year, obviously the Ottawa Senators selected two key pieces in the franchise's future in the guy behind me, Tim Stutzla and uh, Jake Sanderson. And so both of these guys are regarded as high, having extremely high work ethic, or at least they were by drafts kind of, or by scouts going into the draft. Um, I know that like Jake Sanderson apparently is the first guy at the rank last one, to leave apparently his bedtime's like 9 30 which is which is just ad admirable from from my perspective um and then also like you have timmy who's an 18 year old who comes in on a keto diet i don't know that i even knew what keto was when i was 18 <laughs> but it's it's pretty crazy so i'm kind of curious if you could discuss the worth work ethic that you've seen from both of these guys but i'm also um i, I also want to know kind of like what your opinion is of how training and conditioning of young players has changed so much maybe even from like the point of when you first came into that nhl because i feel like it's just like decade by decade it's just continuing to just improve immensely and like at such a younger age there's an emphasis on it yeah well there's a lot a lot in that question but uh we'll start with uh sorry <laughs> no no it's, it's great it's great so um might have to revisit a couple parts of it but um for as far as jake goes uh, i have a great relationship with him um, but given COVID, I haven't actually been able to meet him in person. So I'm excited to do that, uh, this week, but, um, through our conversations during the year, I think everyone who's been at the rink, uh, on our FaceTime. So, um, you know, that's doing Norman tech for his recovery or in the trainer's room. He's, he's always there. So he, you know, he lives true to the statement that you made about being a rink rat. He loves it. So polished, so mature. Um, I think this year is going to be. Um, a real coming out party for him in terms of the offense. Um, I watched all his games and, um, and really believe in him. And I think that we have a, a true stud uh, player, obviously a long way to go to make that happen, but all signs point that way. So um, it's been great. And then as, him, uh, Timmy, you know, I haven't worked quite as closely with him, uh, watched a ton of games live being able to be in the CTC this year. And, um, you know, he does have a motor. He's got an engine and uh, world-class skill. So um, for him, it's just about following up last year and realizing, you know, that it's a new year and he's gonna have to work even harder to get his, his chances. And I think uh, he's positioned well to be a really good player for a really long time. So the future is bright on both, for both those players. Amazing. And then I'll, I'll ask, I guess, like the, the fourth consecutive question I've had for you in a row now, but yeah. um, yes. just, just on that, um, on that same note. So just like the, the fact that Timmy's like on that, on that keto diet, but also just um, kind of how like the emphasis has really maybe like improved or, or if you feel that there's been a change of um, attention to that among like younger players over the last like 10 to 20 years, at least that like you've seen, like at least I, I feel that way. Like, I feel like I, I see what some of these kids are doing and like the kind of shape that they're in. Marco Rossi, I know stood out last year when I was looking at him, but, um, and, and I'm just like, I, I get really like mind blown. I'm just curious if, if you feel the same way. Yeah, I think 
you know, the game just keeps evolving. And that's one of the areas where uh, we've seen big gains. These guys are machines um, and they, they take it very seriously for the most part. They still come in and have to polish their routines and then adapt them to the, the pro games. And that's where our, uh, our strength and conditioning staff is great. But for the most part, you know, they, they have access to a ton of things and um, the programs have become more individualized, I think, um, since, since my day, where it's more just group, group work, really, which was great. Uh, the effort was still there, but now um, our staff on that side of it is just so dialed in. And then the players also um, recognize the benefit of it. And as far as diet and, and workouts and just specific um, training specific to, to their needs. So um, it is true. And then um, I imagine we'll see um, further gains as we, we continue to evolve here. Jesse, uh, a hot button topic in the sense community and not just actually the sense community, but hockey in general is advanced stats or analytics. Um, I'm curious to get your opinion on the use of these fancy stats and how or if they even play a role in player development. Well, I think it's hard to escape them. Uh, they're part of today's game and I think they're used, you know, by coaching staffs all over. Um, and I think they're used in different ways by different staffs. I think for, for myself, obviously pay attention to them, especially this year, being more um, closely linked to the teams and the coaching staffs in game and just learning from them. But ultimately, I, like, I like to work with the guys in order to help them be able to, um, you know, maneuver through the ups and downs of the season, just their, their maturity um, as pros. So while the analytics do become important sometimes, I feel like my job is to kind of help them steady the ship whenever maybe the analytics aren't pointing the direction they want them to. Um, and, you know, just help them focus on how in, on being good day to day and, and trying to block out the distractions that kind of can get in the way of that. So, um, yes, they are important. And, and, you know, we do use them and we use them to kind of highlight areas where we can maybe work with the guys, but, I also like to try to shield them from that too. And then, you know, just help them focus on being good for the Belleville Sands or the Ottawa centers today and or, or their junior or college teams. And that's kind of the, uh, the avenue I take with it. And, and maybe something that can't be measured, but how big is confidence in hockey? Because you see it sort of year to year um, with players and, and when they're feeling really good about their game, you know, everything looks good. The advanced analytics, you know, whatever it is, their, their stats are looking good. Can you just speak to, to the confidence level of players and how that affects their game? Well, you show me a confident player and you show me someone who's prepared to win. I think, you know, when you, when you put in the work and you're, you're in a good headspace, you're ready to play the game the way you know how, um, you know, the odds are you're going to perform pretty well. Um, and the challenge, and, and that was part of, you know, and we've all gone through it in our careers is, you know, when things aren't going well, when coaches on you and, you know, we haven't scored, um, in my case for a long time, it's like, <laughs> you know, uh, you got to find ways to, to restore that confidence. And for me, it was just focusing on what I could control and being the best that I could be at it, whether it was in the gym, just within myself and the workouts, trying to feel good. And those are the messages that, you know, Donald and I kind of, um, pass on to, to the guys looking to make their mark. I mean, I, I'm not so connected to the guys in the actual NHL room day to day, but um, more so with the guys fighting for their chance to play. It's just that maturity and, and um, that presence that they're going to be unf unfazed by any adversity. So That's amazing. I, I can only imagine how much that means to some of the players to have like pros like you and Dono to be like, Hey, like I've been through this. Like I, <laughs> I know what it's like to be gripping your stick too tight and whatnot. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, my, my next question is, is kind of, so my, um, I had a friend at one point, they, they spent a season interning for a soccer club in the UK and their role was specifically to study sweat and what was in sweat so they could figure out like what um, athletes 
could eat that would allow them to be more hydrated before meals. And like, I realized that this was like an extremely over the top practice, but um, something that it, it kind of like sparked my inquiry re regarding this interview. And I was curious, like if there's anything, maybe not that over the top, um, but just some practices that a lot of people might not think of when they, when they are thinking of player development, like whether it be like, are there some mental retreats you send these kids to, or is it like, like some meditation classes? Like, is, is there anything like that, that, that might not come to mind that's kind of outside of that traditional box of just getting uh, just completely jacked? <laughs> you know, I, I'm probably not the best guy to ask on that. I'm sure there are. I think uh, our staff, Jer and Rob on the sports conditioning side or strength and conditioning side, they'd be more privy to those kinds of things. And I'm sure they work with our guys to kind of make that stuff happen. I just, again, look at it as the game since the time I kind of came into it as a pro to now and how how it has changed with respect to the, the nutrition and the mindset stuff. And, and not to say that we didn't have it, it was just kind of learned through experience for us. And Donna would say the same thing, but now they're actively searching out these ways to get better. And, you know, it, it, when done right, I think it gives you an advantage. I think you have to also keep balance with respect to how many directions you're going with your preparation but if you can if you can manage everything and, and do things properly then they all serve a purpose and they all can help you get better so um you know again i'm not the guy i'm pretty simple in the end <laughs> but uh i think jer and, and rob uh do a great job of providing the resources for the guys to reach out and use uh should they should they want to that's awesome. So um, again, like we don't have to get into it too much because it, it sounds like maybe that's more of, of a focus of, of that theirs. Um, but when you when you brought up mindset, is there a pretty big emphasis nowadays on like mental health of the player? And is that kind of something that is becoming kind of more of a focus, like especially following like concussion protocols and whatnot? Yeah, I think for good reason. And uh, it, it, it's becoming more normalized and we all encourage that and want to you know, see a, a game that is inclusive and um, respectful. Um, and I think it's taken uh, a long time to get there, but in, in some ways it's, it, it's, uh, it's welcomed, obviously. And it takes uh, courage for guys to step up when they're struggling to kind of get the help they need. And, you know, I think in my position, I'm there to support. So, you know, it's, it's one where um, there's still ways to go, but, we're seeing things move uh, or trend positively anyway. Jesse, uh, I'm curious who of this current group of sort of up and coming current day Ottawa Senators is the hardest working off the ice that you see sort of someone that works really hard that you believe will translate to their on ice uh, product? Well, I think uh, in my experience, just the last couple of years and around the team in a limited way, I think Obviously, Nick Paul is one that stands out. Um, just his maturity and evolution, maybe a, a little bit slower than perhaps he would have even liked, but he's turned into a, a top-notch player, someone who's so dependable. The way you see him on the ice is a reflection of how he approaches the game off the ice, too. He, he's dialed in. Um, great character. Uh, and, you know, it, it takes sometimes, it takes others, or it takes guys sometimes a little while to get to where they want to be. And, um, you know, but now that he's here, he, he's really grabbed a hold of a spot and um, credit to all the work he's put in and, and, and just day to day, um, not letting his foot off the gas. So for me, that's one guy that really stands out. And then, um, you know, on the other side of it, on the, the American League side, you know, Troy's done a great job with the, uh, with the guys down there and, and establishing like a work ethic that he's proud of. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I can rhyme off a lot of guys because I'm dialed into to those guys that you, you look at like the Parker Kelly's, um, Sokolov, you know, Crooker who came in out of college, who's been really good, Aspero, um, the list goes on and on. So we're lucky to have a group that, that loves to play the game hard, they love to work at it. Um, and it's great to see them on the ice every day, um, trying to get better. And then also embracing that side of it in the gym with uh, Jer who, you know, who pushes them and grinds their gears. I was going to kind of rephrase one of my questions here because I feel like Derek and I kind of have the, are asking the same thing. So um, I'm, I'm curious. Um, well, actually, I'm just going to ask you. So so you were saying that next week you're going to get a chance to um, 
go down and, and meet Jake Sanderson in person, um, as well as also have the opportunity to, to meet Boucher. So I'm just curious, are, are you going to be going down to um, like the, the World Juniors Tournament or what, what's that going to look like? I think the plan is, yeah, to, to head down there. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll have a couple prospects playing, so it's important for us to kind of get out there and see them live. We had, we didn't have a chance last year, and that's um, a big part of our job and something we enjoy doing. So, um, again, don't have the full list in front of me of who's all there, but we're going to check out all the games um, and, and just, you know, start their relationship, the in-person relationship with the guys that are there, and we'll uh, – We'll have some fun. Amazing. Awesome. So so this year we saw major development for two current Ottawa Senator players. You just touched on one of them. Um, but these are players that are expected to be already fully developed in terms of their age. But uh, Connor Brown and Nick Paul. Um, so my question for you is, can you teach an old dog new tricks? Like these guys just, you know, at 26, 27, 28 years old, they continue to develop. Um, so how do you get the most out of development when you're already supposedly developed? Well, I think your job as a pro hockey player, um, if you're taking it seriously and you want to maximize your career length and you're always looking for ways to get better. Um, and again, sometimes it's things come together at different times for different people. Um, in the case of Connor, like, um, you know, just watching him, his skating's become elite. He's always been good and he works incredibly hard, but uh, when he came back in the summer, I was on the ice one or two times with him and just noticed how quickly he was able to to um, separate um, through the drills. And I, I thought he made, like, I wouldn't necessarily have predicted he would have the season that he did, but um, it was great to see uh, once the confidence piece fell into place and the puck started going in. Um, you know, he had a great, great season. And for Nick, I, I was hopeful. I, I've been a big fan of his since I came into the organization, just how he conducts himself and you know, on many nights, he, he was one of our better players. But um, going forward, you know, I think they're probably both still hungry um, and they want to improve uh, and look to be continue, uh, key contributors for a long time here. And I think they'll be able to do that. Um, I have no doubt that they will. So, um, you know, they are older, but they want to be in the league a long time. And they just have to continue focusing on improving, um, even in little ways. And, you know, I think they'll do that. So, All right. One last follow-up. Sorry, uh, just before you take over, Brennan. Uh, Nick okay. Paul, uh, I know it's going to be a biased opinion, but is he the most underrated third-line player in the league? I think there's a lot of good th third-liners in the Some league. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I do think um, Paul, he plays a game. He plays the game um, in a way that I really respect and admire. Obviously, probably doesn't quite fit into you know, a top line player. I don't know if he'd admit that or not, but, um, you know, he, he can chip in offensively, but he protects pucks. He makes time for his teammates. He's always um, good defensively. Um, those are things that I kind of key in on having had to kind of play that way myself. Um, but he's just a guy who does it all. The, the DJ needs something done. He, he turns to Paulie, and I think that's a great, uh, a great, you know, career to kind of, um, you know, emulate for a guy who's coming up and wants to be, a, be an NHL or in a role um, that's really valued. So one thing with, with Nick Paul, um, he said that he kind of like rebuilt his mindset. I remember listening to an interview and him saying that like he really changed the way that he approached the game. And he kind of, I think he said that he began like meditating. And I'm curious if that's something that um, is common practice or that's like recommended through player development or is that um, kind of something that he just took on himself and was like, you know, like this is what I think I need or I'm going to try this out. And and it it kind of just worked out for him specifically. I think he probably took the initiative on that. I like, I wasn't around. I, I joined right as that kind of happened, but I think it's something where he was at the point where he was, um, you know, thinking seriously about how to become a full-time NHL or he, he'd taken some steps forward, had some road bumps along the way, but um, and I'm not, I don't know if that was the one thing that, that pushed him over the top, but it's, it's clear he, he was able to handle the ups and downs of the season, um, you know, uh, in the last two years and he like, he's a true pro. Um, 
And sometimes it can just be age and maturity and experience that all kind of come together and things just click and then you never look back. But he's, uh, he's a heck of a player. Um, I enjoy being around him and, um, you know, look forward to when we get back on the ice uh, later this summer, hopefully. Awesome. And uh, th- this will be this will be the last question we can let you take off. I'm sure we could talk to you all day about this stuff. So yeah, no, um, I love it. <laughs> awesome. We'll, we'll have to have you back on then after uh, you go down and and visit um, visit the guys or or some sometime in the future. Bring, I'll bring Dono on with me. Yeah, sounds good. He's a, he's a talker. Well, yeah, <laughs> oh, this is good. You you deserve your credit too. After you got his TSN shout out, I think uh, you might be too big for the future Sickos podcast now. Yeah. But <laughs> um, so so actually, this question isn't even hockey related, but um, so, something that I think should be in um, commonly discussed in way more conversations and something that we we kind of need to break down a bit of barriers on. And um, so so you were someone who um, the, takes the climate crisis extremely seriously and it's something that you're passionate about. Um, and I myself am, am also um, someone who works in like the environmental assessment and socioeconomic fields. So I'm curious what you feel the answer is for climate change mitigation. It's a pretty heavy question because yeah. I don't know that there's just one answer. And I think that some of the biggest professionals in the world are having issues, but I, I think you might have an opinion on it. And I also am curious if you feel it's possible for us to reach net zero and what types of practices slash technologies you think we need to rely on specifically in Canada to reach this goal. So this is, uh, I'm taking you back to, was it Clarkson oh, right now? Like uh, <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> you're right a thesis on this. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I think I should be asking you that question, but uh, you know, I think, you know, in terms of mitigation, uh, the answer is pretty clear. Like the number one you start at the top is just, you know, stop emitting carbon dioxide. So, uh, we do that. We have a chance. I, do, is it possible to get to net zero? Yeah, I think we we have the technologies and the solutions to do it. Is it likely? You know, not the way we're going right now, unfortunately. I think you know there's been a lot of progress. I think we can be pumped about that. Um, but I also think it's not occurring as quickly as as we need to. So um, we have to scale up our you know, collective. Um, responsibility or care for for our world and um you know there's there's tons of different ways that we can do that so for me you know, i like i like learning about batteries and evs i think in canada um, you know our electricity grid's relatively clean compared to most um you know other countries but we can do a heck of a lot better with our evs and uh you know promoting them that way and then you know, the climate finance piece of it is another part that I really care a lot about. So, um, you know, just greening our portfolios or finding ways to funnel money to the right places while denying access to other places. And you know, we'll see, you know, but, uh, it's a big problem, like you said, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunately we have no other choice than to kind of try to address it. So, um, here's hoping we can, uh, take the necessary steps and help uh, clean up the, the world for generations to come. Any companies that um, you're aware of that are, that are doing some, some pretty cool things that people could get into. I don't want to, I don't want to ask you specifically for investment oh. advice. Just so my, uh, my $500 on West wall simple. Can drop, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but, but I'm curious if there's any companies out there that, um, that you're associated with that you might want to um, maybe mention. Uh, I can't give you real companies, but uh, some of the reading I do, I guess, um, like Car- Carbon Collective, um, they have a, a portfolio that kind of, um, you know, that's, you can look at what they have involved in it, or in, in it. Unfortunately, you can't get into it as a Canadian, but you can see what they're involved in with. I follow uh, Energy Impact Partners kind of portfolio that they have um, that lists like the, the biggest um, companies in terms of market uh, cap that are, that are dedicated to, you know, making the world greener and stuff. So, um, there's a lot of information out there that I find kind of fascinating. Um, but, uh, you know, I think for just the regular person, just taking small steps every day to kind of, you know, at least become aware and more educated and then, um, you know, finding ways to reduce your own carbon footprint, um, you know, will go a long way in the end. 
no definitely i think that's that's something that we're all kind of becoming more conscious of and um i think that the the mindset and shift is is really starting to change so definitely optimistic about what will happen in the future but we we've got we've got a long way to go and i agree there there are some um incredible companies i think there's actually a carbon capture company out in squamish british columbia as well that um i I don't I think a lot of them like aren't even publicly traded probably because there's so many venture capitalists that are like yeah take my money like yeah, <laughs> it's <that's real>. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah it is and and you know what we only like that's what we need we need all of them to come up I know like Bill Gates uh, book talks about it a lot it sounds like you might have potentially read it and um, it kind of just mentions like we need all of these companies to like all these new initiatives to come up and kind of keep funneling money at it and even if only half of them work out well at least that's a lot more technology or a lot more development that we can rely on moving forward so absolutely awesome well thank you so much jesse i appreciate you uh letting me talk your ear off but um also (laughs) for for all the uh all the great answers that you gave us it was it's truly uh truly awesome to kind of get that inside look and um it's something that is uh is really cool to think about like after the draft is kind of just those next steps so really appreciate you coming on Hey, thank you. I, I enjoyed it too. So um, keep doing what you guys are doing. Uh, we love following along too. So um, get back in touch anytime. I'll be sure to have uh, my right hand man sitting beside me the next time. Awesome stuff. Looking forward to it, Jesse. All right. Take care, fellas. Take care. Take care. All right. That was Jesse Winchester, former Ottawa Senator, current player development coach. What did you think of some of his answers, Derek? I, I was really impressed with the answer for regarding the analytics question that that you dropped on him and, and how he basically just said, like, well, it's kind of hard to ignore it <laughs> because it really does seem like stats and analytics are just absolutely everywhere. Um, so yeah, I want I wanted to hear your opinion on that. Yeah, I thought that was one of the more surprising answers. Like I honestly I was expecting an answer that was more along the lines of, you know, it's something that we know is out there and we know exists, but we don't really, you know, focus on it in our area of work. But uh, but it sounds like there is a real focal point on analytics within the Ottawa Senators organization. So I think it, it sort of silences the critics a little bit because you do hear a lot of sort of emphasis on the lack of analytics that the Ottawa Senators use, um, but they're using it to develop their players. You heard Jesse talk about it and and which sort of ways they use it and, and how they apply it. And I think it's it's a tool that, again, it, it's not the be all and end all. And I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind. And I, I think he sort of alluded to that fact that, you know, it's something they use. But at the same time, when a player is lacking confidence, you know, you probably don't want to point out all the mistakes that they're making and make them feel worse about themselves. And Um, And it's nice to have players like him and Sean Donovan, players that can speak from experience because they've been there. You know, he talked about gripping the stick a little too tightly when you're not scoring goals. The last thing you want to hear is your coach sort of coming up to you and and pointing out what you're doing wrong. So I liked that angle that he took on the answer. Um, what, What did you think specifically about the analytics before we move away from talking about that stuff? Because I think that's been such a a long-standing topic of discussion for quite some time. And I, I would say that I'm getting tired of talking. I'm the one that asked the question. I'm getting tired of talking about analytics in hockey, but um, they're usable. I mean, we're not ignoring or discrediting analytics or the analytic community. I think it's very important. But what did you think about the the whole topic in, in general? What do you think about the analytics? I think it really depends what what type of analytics we're looking at. If, if we're looking at a player's faceoff percentage and you can't get it above forty percent, then I think that that's a very fair thing to be looking at. And then you can kind of assess that and know maybe work on some different techniques in the faceoff circle. But I think if if a player development coach is paying attention to zone entries and where a player is on the ice, and and that's kind of something that they're they're constantly throwing around, like I, I think it could become pretty tiresome for players because it's just, it's, I feel like it just adds an extra amount of pressure. If that's something that they're going to have to try to have at the forefront, like maybe that's a tool that coaches can use and general managers can use when looking at 
which players to use in which specific situations. But I don't necessarily think that it's something that is fair to put into a player's brain to have them dealing with like while they're in a heat of a moment situation or to be concerned about like their Corsi percentage at the end of a game. Like, I just don't think that that's something that's realistic. Like a, it's never going to happen because that's just not what's going to be in the mind of a hockey player. But B, like, I don't think that it should be either. Like, that's not where their focus needs to be. Their focus needs to be on what's right in front of them. So um, I, I think that it is a decent secondary tool to use when evaluating certain aspects of things. And I mean, like, there's certain areas where it might make sense to draw comparisons. But I mean, um, it, it's difficult to draw conclusions from it, I think is kind of what I'll say. So um, I I do not shy away from analytics. I do think that there's some merit with them, but they are not. Um, I, I would say they maybe make up like five to ten percent of of what I think matters in, in terms of uh, what what a what a player is and what a player does. Absolutely, we have so much stuff to unpack. I know you know we just had the Jesse Winchester interview, but we really haven't had an opportunity to catch up here, and so much has happened in the last few days. I know I missed some key conversations with the locked on guys that, uh, you know, I was disappointed that I missed and Brandon Mackey as well. But uh, uh, what came up in those conversations, anything that, uh, that you want to discuss sort of relevant to the last few days and, and happenings around the Ottawa Senators? Yeah. Um, I would say that. So there's, there's a couple things. I think um, a lot of it was really just unpacking the draft picks that Ottawa went through. And I think, um, it, kind of the news that Brian, or sorry, that Brandon mentioned that um, the Ottawa Senators were interested in Dylan Gunther at nine and um, that he had been taken. And then they saw that kind of Brian Boucher or, oh no, Tyler Boucher. I, I can't speak. <laughs> must be a Monday. Um, that Tyler Boucher was was the, the next guy in line kind of for that position. So um, I think that was kind of something that, that was unpacked. But um, I, I, do, I do think that I'm feeling a lot more confident um, in the picks already without even kind of really digging in and seeing what these players have done in, a, in uh, th- this coming year, just by kind of having the conversations that I had. And just by looking at it, I think Boucher really does look like just such a, a great high energy player. That's going to be um, just, just an awesome fit for this team. And that's something that we kind of dug into a bit is just, it's very clear that Ottawa has this identity that they're trying to build and, and they really are trying to build this culture and, they they're um, making it pretty clear that that they're targeting those guys and uh, that that they have an idea of of who's going to fit in. So that that was uh, that was a big a big part of it. We also feel that um, Boucher might have been a, a bit more of a safer pick with his floor, but also kind of interesting that the Ottawa Senators elected to go for with I believe it's three different CHL players in this year's draft, which. Uh, they haven't done in the the previous few years. They've kind of steered clear of the CHL. So it, it was an area where there was more risk associated because in most of the leagues, there was the fewest amount of games played quite often. So it, it was definitely interesting that they chose this year to go for that because they, they definitely think, I, I believe at least that they found some diamonds in the rough or that they believe that they, they were pulling diamonds out of the rough and they were targeting specific guys that they're like, you know, this, this gem is going to fetch me a lot two to three years from now. There you go. I, I will say the Zach Ostopchuk pick, another one that they, you know, quote unquote reached on, um, that player is going to develop. You already know it's going to happen because he's part of the Eric Carlson trade. So I should just throw that out there that Ostopchuk will be the best player uh, from this draft just based on that trade alone, because everything from that trade seems to turn to gold. So that's the player I'm betting my money on. Uh, but honestly, um, you know, from my perspective, that I guess the frustrating part initially was that we spent, I don't know how long, focusing on what we thought was every possible realm of possibility. Every prospect that we thought had an opportunity, at least at 10th overall, to be an Ottawa senator. We spent so long focusing on them. And then they go with a guy that, you know, wasn't even on our list. And I thought we were pretty broad, like we covered a lot of different players. And we talked about a lot of different uh, potential scenarios that could play out. I was sold that uh, Kosa was their guy. I was dead wrong. So I apologize for, um, for saying, you know, just how confident I was. I I was trying to read into, I guess, everything management was saying and kind of read in between the lines a little bit. And and I 
definitely uh, was not expecting Tyler Boucher. Um, but having a couple of days to sort of chill and relax and, um, as you mentioned, sort of look up some of the highlights. There's not a whole lot available. Um, but some of the highlights, he does look like a high-energy player. He looks like a player that definitely fits the mold of an Ottawa Senators player. And we did hear that the Rangers were potentially interested in him at 16, which sort of takes away from the idea that they could have moved back to uh, to grab the same player. So overall, um, I, I won't say that I'm thrilled with the draft picks the Senators made, um, but I will say that I'll be patient. So um, I, I don't think you have to jump for joy. I don't think you have to sort of get behind all of the picks if you personally feel like they could have made better selections. And I know it's way too early to grade these things, Pierre Dorian. And, and you know, we talked about that with Dorian when he was on our show. But uh, but it's OK to have an opinion that, you know, doesn't exactly pump their tires up either. And I think um, I, I think it's OK for people in the position who, who have spent so long. You know, you look at the Scott Wheelers and the Pronmans. They're going to make their assessments. Ottawa's assessment is not going to be good. We know that. They're going to get a D grade. They're going to get an F grade if you go there. That's the type of grade they're going to get because they took players that, according to many public lists and many scouts that watched the game, were sort of way back uh, beyond where they were supposed to, to be selected, and, and they took them way ahead of that. So, um, so that's what we're expecting as Sens fans. But one thing we do know as Sens fans is that um, Trent Mann will stick to his guns and Pierre Dorian will stick to his guns. And it takes a lot of courage to step up and make a pick at 10th overall, like Tyler Boucher, um, knowing full well that the public opinion, you know, the court of public appeal is not going to be okay with those, with that selection in particular and, and the rest of them too. Um, so it's okay. That's expected. That's going to happen. So I, I guess I'm just talking myself into it, but it takes a lot of courage to do. I did say, though, that, you know, if you make a selection like that, it's a home run swing. And if you swing and miss on a player like that, it, there's a little bit more emphasis on it, Brennan, in my opinion. I think if you take that sort of swing, because you went so far off the board and there's that shock factor associated with it, it's something that will stick into people's minds. So if these players, you know, the Lee Sells and, the, you know, all the players behind that were selected behind this guy that play a similar role or a similar position on the wing, the Chaz Lucius of the world, you know, um, these guys, if they develop into top six players and Tyler Boucher doesn't make it or doesn't become at least as good as these guys, then it's going to look bad on them. Wouldn't you think? I, I mean, like, I definitely think that there are certain players that were selected after Tyler Boucher that, that, will turn into first line centers. Like, I mean, like that's just kind of a guarantee, especially in a year like this, where there's just so much variance in who goes where based on their sample size and what scouts we'll be able to see. But with that being said, I also feel that with them selecting Boucher, he was the player that they were most sure of. And he was the player that they were most sure of projecting into being a very, very good quality NHL player. So I think like, I do, I do agree, but I think that also we could look back and we can see like the Sillinger and the Coronado and the Lysel and maybe only one or two of those guys truly pan out to be full NHL producers. And then other ones were like, Oh, like, yeah, you know, they turned into put up some decent numbers in the AHL, but never really kind of was able to, to fit into that top, uh, top six lineup. So I think that this is a year that confidence was incredibly important. And if this is a guy that they were confident in and that they felt is, is going to be a contributor, even if he ends up being in the middle six, but if he's a hell of a middle six player, then I I'm, I'm happy with it myself. Like I, I definitely, I hear what you're saying. And I think that it's undeniable that some of those guys will, will likely turn into being studs, but I mean, they, they might turn out to be better than some of the players that were selected in the top five. Like it's quite possible that some of them might be better, better on their teams than power at, at this point, like given my sample size of Owen power and my opinion of them. So I think it's kind of one of those things where I, I definitely hear what you're saying, but I also kind of trust that if that was the player that they feel it, it not only kind of like fits this mold and this identity, but is genuinely going to be the best option for them in their top six. Like I I've, I've learned at this point to not 
bet against Trent Mann or Pierre Doran. I wouldn't have any poker chips left. So I, I, I've definitely come to a point where at this point as a fan, I'm kind of just sit, sitting back and waiting. And I definitely hear what you're saying. Um, if down the road we look at this and we're like, oh no, like what, what was that? Like th there'll be just cause for that. But I also think that there's just as much, if not more of a chance that we're going to look back and be like, wow, like I, I love that swing. And if it wasn't a home run, I, I think it's at least going to be a double because, um, I, that, that's, a, that's at least my opinion. Um, and I think that both possibilities are, are equally as likely. No, absolutely. I like that. It's happened before, right? Like we've seen guys like Pinto that were um, at the time they were selected. There was a lot of players, uh, really skilled players still on the board and Ottawa, you know, went and took their guy and they stuck to their guns. And uh, a guy from last year's draft in Levi Marilinen, like look at the climb on that guy. Nobody knew who he was. And when the senators made that selection, everyone was scratching their heads. And, and next thing you know, Obviously, they've seen something in because he looks like a, a potential number one goalie in the future, which is just kind of mind blowing for a guy that on public lists wasn't even on them. Like he he was slated to not even be drafted. So, so they they have their own opinion. They I like that they have you know scouts that that watch these players. And Pierre said himself in Tyler Boucher's case that he went out and watched him play at least three times. I believe uh, is what he said. So. It's a player they like. Uh, I will say, you know, after I watched the, the one and only, I guess, shift by shift sort of analysis video available on the internet of Tyler Boucher, I came away thinking that he's a much better player than um, he was probably given credit for. He's a, a guy that moves extremely well for a guy his size. And boy, does he ever bully people at that level. But, uh, but I talked about it earlier. The guy does not look 18. Like, I don't even know if Tyler Boucher is his real name. Maybe it's a, a Bobby Ryan situation where, you know, he he changed his name and he's actually like some 27-year-old that just uh, I am entered 12. the draft. <laughs> Slides yeah. the $20 bill across the table. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right? So, um, but no, uh, we'll have to have Tyler Boucher on a show, uh, you know, in the future if we can make it happen. Um, and we'll talk about uh, his genetics because that guy, you know, I won't even... I won't even call him a kid because he looks older than me and he could beat me up. So, um, so I won't even go there. Get, get it. He's got to bring his birth certificate. If he's coming on, we, we want to see the, we want to see the proof in the pudding, but um, no, no. And you know, one thing that did come out, which I, I thought was a massive standout and really kind of resonated with me is that um, he, the team said that when Boucher was out of the lineup, he was missed and it was noticed. And if, if that's the case, that is the kind of guy that you want to have on your team, in my opinion. Um, I, I actually like, and on that note as well, like there, there was some plays where I remember, I think I saw a highlight and he absolutely ran a guy at the end of it. And then like, it was like, oh, and Boucher, and he just lays a big hit, and it just goes, and there's a penalty. <laughs> and I thought that it was so hilarious because it was literally just like instantly it happened, and you're like, okay, they got to call that, and and the rest hand, hand went up. And, um, yeah, like I think he's going to be an awesome fit. I think he's going to be able to insert a lot of energy. What Jesse said about um, his biggest thing is going to be like making sure he doesn't get injured because I feel like him and Ridley Gray kind of have that similarity where like – they're they're playing so intensely that it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for them to not be beat up because yeah like I mean like we've seen I know Josh Anderson isn't your favorite player but we saw like what happened with him um, as well even in Columbus where he had to take like a full year off because he had had pretty invasive surgery so I, I think that that'll definitely be a focus and there's gonna be a lot of kind of fine tuning of being able to turn him into an NHL player and not that he's not ready to be an NHL player, but just kind of to be able to figure out like what he can do at the next level or, or and how he's going to be able to kind of make that transition. I think that that's going to be a really interesting step. And um, one that I think he's not going to have an issue with, but I think kind of once, once he is able to do that, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see him on Ottawa. And um, now Derek, unfortunately we are, we are slowly creeping up to, um, the, the, the 60 minute mark and kind of just before we go, I, I did, I did want to mention that something that the locked on sense boys pointed out to me. So I didn't realize that the F grade that the Ottawa senators were receiving actually stood for fascinating. So that, that's something that, um, <laughs> is news to me. So, so now all of a sudden reading these articles, I feel a lot better. 
Exactly. There it is. There it Fascinating is. Fascinating picks. Um, that sounds a lot better than head scratching picks. So we'll go with that F grade fascination. Fascination. We're just extremely interesting. We keep keep the people guessing. Um, and yeah, and, and again, so thank you everyone for tuning in. Thank you, Jesse, for coming on to the show. I think it's really cool. I hadn't realized the amount of um, the kind of attention or relationship that he has with current prospects that aren't even really at that Belleville or Ottawa level yet. So it was really, really cool to hear that and listen to it and kind of hear what those next steps are. So we hope that everyone enjoyed the episode and um, we'll, we'll definitely talk to you again soon. So, and thank you, Derek.